It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
Meet the totally ninja raccoons. Three raccoons who become ninjas because they already have the masks. The totally ninja raccoons books are short adventures with quick chapters, specially structured to encourage reluctant readers. Each book has the totally ninja raccoons encountering a cryptid. The monsters are presented in a fun, not so scary way. <laughs> I said not so scary. <sighs> Readers are encouraged to do their own research and make up their own minds about the possible existence of Bigfoot, the Jersey Devil, aliens, and more. The Totally Ninja Raccoons are available on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. You can buy autographed copies direct from the author at kevincoolidge.org. That's kevincoolidge.org for the Totally Ninja Raccoons. Are you into UFOs, the real stuff? Selected by Extraterrestrials, Volume 3, My Spoken Words, William Mills Tompkins. Volume 3 covers his amazing story, what he saw in the Battle of L.A. William was a special assistant to Admiral Rico Bada to find out all about the Nazi connection to ETs during World War II and connection to Antarctica. This is a must-read. Selected by Extraterrestrials, Volume 3. Available on Amazon in January. Edited and compiled by Dr. Bob Wood. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And yet, I ask you, is not an alien force already among us? Night Dreams brings on the night worldwide. Did you know you can find us on your favorite app? And now you can watch us live on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and give us a thumbs up. And now... Here's Gary. And here I am while well, I spent the last four days being off, re well, redoing the whole studio, rewired all the equipment, added some new equipment, moved things around, and when I went to go on air, one of my devices had a meltdown. So if you only see John Lear on one of the different apps out there, by the end of the show, it'll all be corrected. Well, tonight we got a really a great show. We got John Lear back again. We're going to talk about the moon. We're going to talk about 9-11, COVID, and a whole bunch of things with John Lear in a minute. And then our second guest tonight is going to be telling us why we should not be eating meat. All this coming up right after this, so stay tuned. Hi, this is Val Von Torn of Metatron Power and Light. You're listening to Gary Anderson and Night Dreams Talk Radio. Take a journey of adventure and discovery for the enigmatic giants of the forests. Read On the Trail of Bigfoot by Mike Dupler. The author himself describes it this way. Having found possible Sasquatch evidence, namely trees driven into the ground upside down, thought to be territory markers, led me to investigate this creature in my native Ohio. Several years and many forays into Bigfoot territory, I have found incredible evidence, which inspired my book, On the Trail of Bigfoot. Bigfoot is alive and has many fantastic abilities. The evidence is out there for all to see, but you need to know what to look for. My book will inspire those who have answered the call to seek this elusive creature, the Bigfoot. The truth is out there. Read On the Trail of Bigfoot by Mike Dupler. Available now at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and Indie, 
Bound.org. All right. Night Dreams Talk Radio would like to say a big thank you for listening to Gary and his guest. Gary brings back paranormal talk radio like you remember. And we are back. James, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit here about our first guest? Well, our first guest tonight is John Lear. Now, he spent 43 years as a commercial pilot and flew over a hundred combat missions for the CIA. He once even penetrated the security at Area 51, and he still holds many flying records. John is considered a legend in the aviation field. Well, John, I just want to say welcome back to the show, and how are you doing? Well, thank you. I'm doing real good. I just turned uh, 79 December 4th, so... I'm looking forward to the big eight zero next December fourth, and I'm going to have a few of my friends, those that are still alive, uh, at my birthday party. Oh wow! And I hear your parties can get really intense. Now, has that changed with age a little bit? Uh yeah, quite a bit. They're more <laughs> quiet now. Okay, my friend. Well, you know, like we were talking about, you know, your father, you know, developed the John, you know, the Lear jet. Is yeah. is that what got you, you know, interested in flying? No, I was interested in flying long before that. And, uh, you know, I was born in 42, so I was 10 years old when the Korean War started. You know, and my favorite airplanes were the uh, uh, the, P- the Black Widow and the uh, P-63, P-61. Uh, and, and that was a lot of, that was really interesting. And uh, I built a lot of model airplanes, and then uh, since my dad was uh, ran Lear Incorporated in those days, Lear Incorporated made a lot of stuff for the military, a lot of uh, uh, all kinds of uh, motors and and uh, gears and stuff. Uh, he always had a couple airplanes around, and so he got somebody to teach me how to fly, and uh, I sold it at sixteen. And uh, they just went upward from that. Now, my dad didn't like that at all. As a matter of fact, he sent me, he said, where are you going to be? And I said, a pilot. He says, a pilot? A pilot is just like a bus driver. Why don't you uh, be a doctor or a lawyer, and then you can have your own airplane? I said, I don't want my own airplane. I just want to fly it. So he sent me to the local psychiatrist very knowledgeable guy and uh and uh i had to talk with him for about an hour and so dad comes in and says well what'd you figure out and uh the psychiatrist says hey john's got some good ideas i think uh uh he's all set and so dad got pissed off and threw us both out (laughs) and that's how you got into flying i mean uh and you know you flew what the 707 what did you think of the 707 I love the 707 better than the DC-8, although, the, you know, I have 3,000 hours in the DC-8, and uh, it does a great job. And uh, But the all-time transport of all was the L-1011, which I flew. I have about 2,500 hours in the L-1011, and it was a great, great airplane, and there'd be a lot more of them, but... You know, when uh, Lockheed was halfway through production, a Rolls-Royce 
uh, went on strike. Actually, they declared bankruptcy, and uh, it was a few years before they got that sorted out. So everybody who was uh, they had the choice of the DC-10 or the L-1011. Everybody went to the DC-10. Then when they finally got the uh, L-1011 going, it was still the greatest of all, uh, but they didn't sell that many. I think maybe 300 or so is what they sold. Oh, wow. But there's still a few around, and uh, the guy I used to fly for, Connie Coletta, uh, made him uh, put a great big, huge cargo door in it and uh we used to take all kinds of stuff around it was a it was a great uh it was a great business but then we had the pwa uh 800 fiasco and uh, that put an end to uh all the all the uh, uh people that were using 1011s for uh ferry because cfa said that the uh pwa 800 was uh, uh, blown up by an accidental uh, trigger of the fuel in the center main tank, which was complete nonsense. Uh, the U.S. Navy uh, was accidentally shot TWA Thunder down, and in order to cover it up, they had to blame it <coughs> on something else. And so uh, to get Boeing to go along with it, because they didn't want to think, they didn't want to admit there was, or, or even acknowledge that a spark could occur in the center main tank. So what they did with Boeing is they said, "We'll let you, uh, we'll let you uh, merge with uh, McDonnell Douglas, which they've been trying to do for years, uh, but had been tied up in court." And so Boeing said, "Okay, you let us merge, and, and uh, we'll say it was it was the uh, center tank fuel tank." And then they went to DWA, and uh, they knew what happened. They knew it was a Navy submarine, so uh, they gave them a check for three hundred sixty thousand uh, dollars to keep their mouths shut. The only people who lost were the uh, relatives uh, of the people that were killed uh, in. Uh, TW800. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize that. Now, I got to ask you a question. Back when they introduced, you know, the 707 uh, many years ago, when the chief uh, test pilot for Boeing's did a barrel roll on it, uh, how safe is that with that type of aircraft? Perfectly safe. And he was a very good friend of mine. And I, uh, somebody did a painting of uh, the 707 roll over the uh, Seattle boat races, and I've got uh, number 707 on my wall here. Oh, wow. i got to ask you a question. I mean, with all the different planes you've flown and all the hours, you know, behind the, the, the you know, in the cockpit, have you ever did a barrel roll with any of these big craft? Most of them I did. <laughs> did you do it secretly? Yeah, yeah you know, a barrel roll doesn't put any uh, doesn't put any negative G's on uh, on the airplane. If you do it right, it's still one G, which is what the airplane was built for. Uh, and uh, even the large transports are built for two G's, two point five G's, I think. So it's no problem. What was the it's worst? Illegal, but it is no problem. <laughs> I know. What was the, absolutely the worst plane you ever flew? The worst. The worst. I never thought 
about that. Okay. I never thought about the worst. Never, you, you never got in the seat of one and said, God, I don't really want to fly it? No, no, never happened. Okay. Well, uh, I know you want to talk about COVID, then we can go into the moon. What do you want to tell the listeners about COVID? I just want to tell them that recently um, a former CDC research scientist who was fired for questioning protocol made the statement, public statement, that the current COVID-19 vaccinations are no more effective at preventing COVID than Robitussin is at preventing a person from catching the common cold. Now, this is a guy who was right in there while it was all going on, and he knows it was all a tremendous uh, farce uh, made possible by the Chinese, and it, it's just it's just a mess. I don't know how it's ever going to get sorted out. I, I know a lot of people in my industry that, you know, were totally against being vaccinated. Unfortunately, everybody I knew that in the business has said, hey, you know, this is a big hoax. They have all passed from COVID, honestly, John. But here's the thing I've been reading. They said all these booster shots and all, you know, even going in at the original with the new uh, uh, virus that's now mutated to. I don't think all these people have had all the vaccine shots are going to be protected. No, they aren't. And uh, the, the vaccinations don't do anything. Well, I've read it actually does some stuff to you afterwards. They're finding out people are now having heart problems, it, it you know, and all this. Okay, other. that's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that can be quite damaging. Yeah, so I and they don't know. I mean, they rushed out these vaccines so fast. I, I'm kind of worried what's going to happen in a year, two or three down the road from the vaccine. We don't know. Yep, you're right. Fortunately, I'll be long gone by then. Well, I want to live to a thousand. I don't <laughs> think I don't think it's going to happen. But you know, you got to put a number there somewhere. Yeah. Of course, you know I don't know. And as you know, we lost Betty White here. You know, like last week, and that was a big shock. I mean, she was just a few days away from a hundred. Yeah. So I mean, what can you? What did you want to talk about? about the moon about well i want to tell you that you know we've been fed a load of uh baloney for so many years uh no apollo mission ever orbited or landed on the moon um uh, uh to start with there was no big bang get that out of your mind that that didn't happen the universe has been there forever it was it was not created it was always there and in our solar system, there's 40 planets. We're told there's eight, but that's not true. There's 40, and they're all civilized. There are no big uh, gas planets, like NASA says. Uh, the only big gas entity in the universe is NASA. But uh, the ones that they accuse of being gas planets are civilized. Uh, they have people... Uh, living on them just like humans, uh, and uh, they trade between the uh, 40 planets, and there's a lot of communication, and we're just out here. Uh, the Earth is uh, was just put here so that, you know, we've all lived hundreds 
of lies before this one. I have, you have, everybody has. And somehow we've lost our way or need a little refresher course on how to live with integrity without envy, hate, or greed. So we're put onto earth to, uh, to relearn these lessons uh, about living with integrity without envy, hate, or greed. And uh, at the end, we... Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, when we die, we find ourselves in this huge room and, uh, we're, uh, led to, uh, meet some of our, the old people that we've met in our other previous lives. And then we go into another room and we're shown our life in three dimensional, high visibility colored, uh, uh, perfect sound. And uh, they show you all the wonderful, loving, and great things you did in your life. And then they show you all the nasty things you ever did, things that you don't think anybody knows. And based on that, uh, based on whether you've done more good or more bad, uh, they make a decision on whether you come back to Earth for another try at it, for more learning about integrity without envy, hate, or greed, or whether you can stay in the fourth dimension. The fourth dimension is actually what we call heaven. And uh, there are many dimensions, uh, but the fourth is the one just above us, and that's about the one easiest to explain. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of that uh, big uh, the guy that invented a lot of the computer stuff. Uh, died a few years ago, and his whole family are around his bed. And and about ten seconds before he completely expired, he kind of sat up and said, "Oh wow, oh wow, oh wow!" <laughs> and he was seeing the room that you go to uh, when you die. Now I don't know why they let him. Uh, the people who are responsible, or actually the ETs that are responsible, let him see that or let him tell the people of that, but uh, they did, and that's exactly what happens. That is interesting, too, you know. that uh, You know, I, got, I, I, I don't really want to bring this up, but I will. Art Bell told me that you told him at one time, don't go into the darkness. Yeah, that was, uh, I was wrong. I got that from, uh, uh, who was the guy, who was the, the guy that lives in New York that uh, wrote a couple of books? I, I'm losing my memory. Well, but I, anyway, I he used to call me at... Uh, Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He used to call me about 2 o'clock in the morning 
and talk for hours, hours about all his experiences with E.T. And uh, he's the one that told me, don't go towards the light. Uh, actually, you don't have any choice. Uh, you do go, go towards the light, and it'll be no problem. You'll have a great time. Yeah. But uh, anyway, back to the moon. Uh, the moon is uh, st- civilized. They have 25 people, 25 million people that live on there. They're humans identical to us, except far more advanced sociologically and technologically. Uh, there's hundreds of cities up there, and we look there and we see those bright spots, and NASA likes to say, oh, it's just bright sand. It's not. Those are cities. And uh, there's just as many on the front side, on the near side of the moon, as there are on the far side. And I've got some fantastic pictures uh, that I've got that, that were taken by the Lunar Orbiter series uh, that Lockheed uh, made in the 1965, 1966, and 1967. They sent up five orbiters, Lunar Orbiter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, and they took thousands of pictures very, very uh, high resolution. And, of course, they've uh, taken down the resolution to give to the public, but some of the photos are absolutely fantastic. There's uh, one on the the, uh, inside of the northern edge of the crater of Copernicus that has more stuff going on. There's a a giant... uh, giant uh, uh, things that hold oil uh, and uh, things that have vapor coming out of it and uh, have a real good uh, image of a um, uh, earth uh, mover and uh, just this great picture. I have them all around my living room and, or my kitchen. Someday I'd like to get a book printed, but the way I want to do it costs too much money, and, and I don't have that kind of money. So uh, anyway, uh, when the Apollo mission got ready to go, and it was obvious that we weren't going to go, President Nixon asked Stanley Kubrick if he'd do the fake moon uh, photos. Kubrick went over to England. They used the uh, studios over there to make the fake uh, astronauts walking around the moon. And he did a really good job. And then uh, they meant to kill him, but he stayed in his house all the time, and they couldn't get him, couldn't uh, get to him. He uh, did two uh, did two movies uh, after all this happened. One was Eyes Wide Shut, and the other was Shining. And both of them have clues in and out of uh, uh, those movies of of uh, telling that that it was all fake. I wonder. And, uh, I wonder how many ahead. people that worked on that set, you know, to fake that that moon landing. How many? How many of them perished really short afterwards? Yeah, right. But anyway, the moon uh, is. Uh, MS tells us it has. Uh, one sixth gravity of Earth, which is false. It has 68.91% of Earth's gravity, which is about two thirds. 
and uh, it has a breathable atmosphere, and NASA says there's no atmosphere. It has a breathable atmosphere, and like I say, 25 million people live up there. I've got some great pictures of cities, uh, and you can even, uh, some of the stuff, uh, NASA hasn't, hasn't aired out. I would think that uh, a few of the people that were supposed to uh, airbrush them out left us little hints. And uh, the one crater, uh, I'm trying to think, not uh, Altakaris, I'm trying to think, is uh, it's on the near side, and it's on the northwest of uh, Copernicus. It's 23 miles in diameter, and or 23 kilometers in diameter, and it's actually a uh, nuclear generator, junior, nuclear generator for power. And I think that's what uh, the moon uses to give power for all their cities and uh, everything they got that going. Now, when I first got interested in the moon, is you know during the uh, during the preparation for the NASA, they, uh, it wasn't logical that they were going to be able to do this. And Gus Grissom was the guy who. Put a lemon on on one of the on the first uh, <clears throat> orbiter one or uh, first lunar one, and he said this thing th this thing ain't going to the moon in two years. This thing ain't going to the moon in ten years, and so NASA had to get rid of him, and that's when they devised a way to kill him and uh, the other four three astronauts that are with him. Two of the astronauts we know. Uh, there's White and Jappy, and then the, there was a fourth one that nobody knows about, and he was from the secret, um, uh, secret astronaut corps, and he was in there uh, helping them try to get through the problems they were having uh, in this practice mission, and uh, NASA had rigged up this, uh, uh, essentially a bomb that lit up, that uh, ignited the cockpit, and uh, killed them all essentially instantly. Instantly, so that got they got rid of uh, Gustin because he was just too outspoken. Uh, that the thing was fake. But anyway, they went ahead with the thing, and uh, everybody believed it uh, when it took off from uh, Cape Canaveral. Uh, the only thing that didn't happen is there wasn't a second stage. And uh, of all the films you've seen, all the 200 films you've seen, none of them show a second stage igniting. And of course, though it says second stage igniting, you're not going to get into the orbit and you're not going to go to the moon. You're uh, right. Now, did, John, what, John, we need to take a break. We'll be back in two okay. minutes. And I want to hear about that because, you know, you're right. There was, I had seen some of those and, and I, and. You're right. We'll be back with John Lear right after this. You're listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio. Mm -hmm. 
In Carter Bouchard's Evidence of an Enigma 1 and 2, he documents and chronicles Sasquatch behaviors from nearly 400 witnesses from all over the North American continent. These events run the gamut, from mundane road crossings to mind-blowing quantum or paranormal skill sets. Mindspeak, possible hypnosis, and infrasound activity to appearing and disappearing from view literally just a few feet away. One family from B.C., Canada, has endured 40-plus years of interactions that continue to this day. The witnesses he has interviewed wanted nothing more than a safe place to tell their stories without the fear of ridicule and scorn dished out by non-believers. He has delivered his riveting personal interactions and those of everyday people whose lives were altered forever in his two books. Quite simply, there is more to these beings than most ever imagined. Sasquatch, Evidence of an Enigma, Books 1 and 2. Get them now at www.relichominid.com. From author Paul Wallace comes The Scars of Eden. Has humanity confused the idea of God with memories of E.T. contact? Do our world mythologies convey our ancestors' ideas about God, or are they in reality memories of extraterrestrial contact? How do ancient stories of contact, adaption, and abduction relate to people's experiences today? The Scars of Eden will take you around the world to hear firsthand from our ancestors, contemporaries, and renowned researchers. Recent revelations from the Navy, the Pentagon, and French intelligence bring the reader right up to date. The Scars of Eden, available on Amazon. Remember how great paranormal talk radio was in the 80s and 90s? Night Dreams Talk Radio brings back to you talk radio like you remember. With your host, Gary Anderson. Broadcasting to you live from his secret compound deep in the great Northwest. Now... Here's Gary. I keep waiting for him to say, here's Johnny, but it's Gary. Anyway, we're back, John. Yeah, again, you know, how how long can the government try to, well, give us disinformation about all this stuff and get away with it? Forever. Forever. Because when MJ-12 was formed by President Truman, uh, now, the Roswell... Recovery, where they recovered two ships and and five bodies. Actually, one was living. Um, uh, President Truman uh, formed Majestic Twelve, and that was twelve uh, people of uh, some were scientists, some were military, uh, and these twelve were supposed to evaluate what was going on, what it meant and uh, whether they should tell the public uh, or not. And uh, the decision was made not to tell the public. And I know why, but I can't tell you because it's too sensitive. But what they did is uh, they started covering it up. Each president was told less and less about it. And uh, the Pentagon formed a recovery team. They were called the Blue Berets. And uh, since 1947, they've recovered at least 50 saucers. They have at least over 100 bodies. Uh, some of the ships were so big that they couldn't transport them by helicopter or by low boy, so they had to bury them on the spot. 
and there's one in Utah, but still there, and it was 200 feet in diameter, and they had to get uh, the... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Army to help them. Uh, they've got thousands of soldiers there digging a hole so it lowered it about 100 feet into the ground and then covered it up and they made little tunnels that went to the doors so they could get back and uh, uh, go back and see what it was, what they needed to find out and uh, so that's been going on for 70 years and or at least that 70, 73 years and the, the uh, people that they used, the Blue Berets, uh, are people that don't have any families, that are orphans. Uh, nobody knows who they are. And the reason they pick those is, is if they say anything or do anything, uh, they're eliminated completely. They just take them out. And uh, that's how they kept it secret that long. That's why there's nobody... Uh, to come and say, yeah, we did this, we covered that, we covered that. And, uh, and that's how they've kept it covered up. And people always say, well, when are they going to tell us? They're never going to tell us. They're always going to come up with some excuse. And just recently, you know, they came up with this thing, a guy named Elizondo who claimed to be, uh, on the inside. He was never on the inside. And they, somehow he talked the Pentagon into giving, uh, Senator Reed and, uh, uh, oh, that other guy, I'm trying to remember his name, uh, $22 million to do the research as if <laughs> they weren't doing the, uh, they didn't have the research themselves. What they're trying to do is put it off on somebody else. But no, no, we'll, uh, we'll never be told why it was a secret. Well, you know, again, why, it must, why it must be kept a secret. You know, here, here's the thing. I, I've been talking off and on to a retired two-star uh, general from the Air Force. And he, well, all he would tell me, he, he wrote a book, but he can't get clearance from the Pentagon to get it published. But, you know, I've talked to him probably a dozen times now over in the last six months. He says ETs. You know, you hear all these stories, John, that ETs give off orbs. They're lovable. They, they're they here to help mankind. But yet, I don't see them helping us at all. And what he told me is that these ETs are not not friendly towards humans. I, I don't know. What's your feeling on it? I don't have that take. Uh, ETs made us. They're the ones that made humans. They're the ones that make humans all over the universe. There are hundreds of trillions of civilizations of humans just like us, but all in different stages of uh, advancement. Some are less advanced than us. Some are more advanced. Like the ones on the moon, they're very far advanced from us. But uh, the ET makes the humans. And uh, they set up everything on planets that aren't, uh, uh, aren't inhabited. And uh, they guide, the, they make the miracles uh, that makes people believe that, uh, makes people believe there's a God and a Jesus and all that stuff. And uh, 
they, they put the ideas from the Bible uh, in some of the heads so they can write it down and put it down. Uh, and these are, you know, good laws to live by, like the Ten Commandments, uh, always trying to get us, uh, get us to live better lives. And uh, that's, that's the way it's going to be. So as far as whether they're uh, uh, friendly or not, it's not that they're they're not friendly. It's just they're uh, only interested in seeing the human uh, species continue. Okay. Well, you know, in our own planet, you know, going back from biblical days to current, we're having wars that nonstop. I mean, you know, people don't care about what they do to other people. That's why I was wondering about ETs. If they advance to a certain level, then then they might look at some of the younger ones as, well, nothing. Yeah. Well, they we, they even caused some of those wars, and you know we're told that the uh, uh, the universe is uh, nineteen sixteen billion years old. That's nonsense. It's been here forever. They tell us that Earth is five billion years old. That's nonsense. It's been here at least. Uh, 13 billion years, and there have been many civilizations far more advanced than we are uh, on Earth. And uh, the military occasionally finds the radar signatures of huge cities uh, that are buried and uh, were, you know, operational at one time. And that's with the what the uh, pyramids are for, uh, those were actually uh, generators, power generators. And uh, now all this stuff going on in uh, in Antarctica, they have a huge ET uh, civilization under the ice there. I don't even think the ice was there 300 years ago. I think they put it there to cover uh, their activities. Interesting that, you know, Linda Morton Howe, you know, claimed that something, you know, they found this huge cavern and uh, that when they went into it, supposedly it, it automatically the lights came on and there was no, you know, just a whole bunch of technology that we're not able to do. And again, yeah, Linda was, uh, Linda was uh, very knowledgeable on this. I've known her for uh, at least 40 years and she does some excellent work. So again, you know, uh, what what can you tell us about Paperclip? Paperclip was uh, at the end of uh, at the end of World War II. Uh, the uh, the Germans knew they were going to lose the war, and they had been working on uh, develop, de- developing an atom bomb, and uh, they could actually. Uh, they developed the plutonium, but what they couldn't uh, develop was all the rest of the ignition system. And so in uh, uh, Los Alamos, we were developing the ignition system and everything, but we couldn't make the plutonium, and uh, Germany knew that. So what they did is they came uh, over to the U.S. before the end of the war, and said, look, we know you need the plutonium. We'll give it to you so you can make your bombs to bomb Japan. All we ask is that you give uh, uh, 10,000 of our SS uh, troops uh, and people we tell you to full citizenship with no questions asked. And uh, that was approved by um, 
uh, let's see, there was first uh, James Allen, or let's see, uh, losing my mind, uh, Allen, the head of uh, Secretary of State, and then his brother, who was head of, of the CIA, and their sister, who was head of the Berlin desk for the U.S. And between those three, uh, which is now called Operation Paperclip, they let 10,000 uh, Nazis into the United States and gave them a total no-questions-asked citizenship. Interesting. And it was all because they gave us the, uh, the plutonium we needed for the bomb. We couldn't make it ourselves. Now we can, but at that time we couldn't. Now, how about Admiral Berg going up to Antarctica? Do you believe what happened with him? Absolutely. You know, they wouldn't let him uh, tell what happened. He's the original one that found out what was going on there in uh, Antarctica. Well, can you explain to the listeners a little bit about, you know, Admiral Berg and what he encountered? Uh, you know, uh, he, he, uh, he went down there. They were, they, they, the the uh, mission was to explore Antarctica, and he found a... Uh, highly advanced civilization down there. They had flying saucers, and uh, they had craft of all different kinds, and uh, he wrote it all up. And when he came back, uh, you know, at the uh, at the finish of his mission, uh, they still just told him to shut up and not say a word about it, ever. Interesting. Supposedly, we supposed to have lost some military personnel and a ship and some aircraft. Now again, absolutely, yeah, yeah, and he sure didn't stay there very long. He was supposed to be there for months and months, and it seemed like he went there and he turned around and came back pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. Interesting. Uh, Into, well, go ahead. Before we go on, I want to tell you that um, I was telling you about those uh, uh, the. Um, nuclear generator on the moon the the i refresh my memory the um crater that it's in is aristarchus it's 23 kilometers in diameter and has a blue glow around it and uh, the blue glow comes from uh nuclear reaction uh combining with uh oxygen or uh atmosphere and that's what creates the blue now the nasa has told us uh, that it's just uh, a blue sand colored, but it's not. And the way I found that out, NASA, of course, airbrushed it out. We got a guy in England who had a very powerful 10-inch telescope, and he took, uh, I think, 192 images, uh, all very close up, very high resolution of the moon, and then put them all together and sent those pictures to us. And uh, we're the ones that initially published the uh, the the photos of Aristarchus. You know, see, there's no doubt about it that it's some kind of uh, uh, huge facility, and uh, we think it's uh, nuclear. Interesting. Now, another question: Do you think that we're ever going to be able to make it to Mars? No. Uh, for the same reason we couldn't make it to the moon, there's a highly lethal, uh, highly lethal uh, uh, radiation belt around Earth that extends from 500 miles up to 25,000 miles up, and it comes in three belts. 
and there's absolutely no way to get through that. And the reason E.T. put it there is they don't want us going anywhere. Uh, With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They don't want us going to the moon and find out there's a civilization up there. They don't want us going to Mars and find out there's a civilization there. I forget one of the rich guys, Elon Musk, or one of the guy wants to... (laughs) He wants to uh, send a rocket to Mars, uh, to Mars and uh, start a civilization. It's already there. There's several civilizations on Mars, and they're continually fighting each other. Uh, but they don't need us, and they don't want us, and that's basically why uh, nothing we ever go there uh, transmits back in any data. We're always fed a lot of uh, baloney about... Uh, Mars pictures and stuff like that. We have a few, but but not that much. Same thing with the moon. And, you know, remember the Israelis crashed, and uh, the Israelis had a orbiter that crashed, and uh, before then, India had one. That's because NASA doesn't tell them that the gravity is 68% that of Earth. They're all told it's uh, one-sixth of Earth. So when they build these landers, uh, to land their uh, uh, orbiters, um, they don't put enough gas, and they end up crashing. And I always think it's funny, you know, when we hear uh, about something about to land and the countdown, and all of a sudden it disappears. It crashed. They didn't have enough fuel. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. How about Planet Nine? There's always talk about Planet Nine, but some scientists now are saying that maybe Planet Nine exists. What's your feeling? Well, there's there's eight planets that we know of, of plus, uh, let's see, we have eight, so eight from 40 would be, there's 32 other planets, so pick which, which other one you want. Now, if he doesn't want us knowing about them, and what they do is they put these huge, gigantic mirrors uh, up so that... Uh, even if with a bar powerful telescopes, we can't see these uh, other 32 uh, planets that are or, that are orbiting our solar system. Hmm. Interesting. And, and why? While we're at it, one of the true uh, geniuses of uh, physics was a gal named Perry Spolter. I'm pretty sure she's still alive. If she is, she'll be 92 or 93 uh, January. Uh, this month, and uh, she uh, found out there is no basis for Isaac Newton's assumption that the gravity
gravitational force is due to and is proportioned to the quantity or density of matter. That's what we've always thought. And she proved it's not true. So since that's true, uh, since Einstein, Einstein predicated all of his general and special relativity, it's all pure nonsense. Uh, that nothing can travel faster than the speed of light, it's hogwash. So both Newton and Einstein have, uh, you know, have been uh, unable to figure out what the the, uh, the real story was. And if anybody wants to read her book, uh, it's called "The Gravitational Force of the Sun" by Perry Spolter. Her last name is S P O L T E R, and you can look it up on the web. Uh, it's published by Orb Publications in Granada Hills, California. And read that book, and I'll tell you all uh, why she deduced or why she's proven that there is no basis for Isaac Newton's assumption that gravitational force is due to and is proportional to the quantity and density of matter. That is very interesting. Boy, the time is moving by so fast. It's like 747, not... A pun for Boeing aircraft here. Nine uh, eleven. What's your take on nine eleven? Okay, first of all, there were no airplanes that crashed into the buildings. Uh, uh, building one and two were destroyed by a direct energy weapon, of which we have thirteen in orbit, and uh, they are ten, they are poss- uh, uh, possible of sending out a beam that can destroy the buildings the size of uh, of uh, Center 1 and uh, Buildings 1 and 2 in a matter of uh, seconds. And what they did was uh, they pretended uh, that they were airplanes. And there were no airplanes. They were holograms. Now people say, oh, hologram, you could tell it. No, you couldn't. We've had holographic technology since the early 60s. And we've developed it to the point where you you can actually uh, put a uh, Boeing 767 flying into the uh, uh, flying into the World Trade Center, and it actually looks like it is. It has the sound, it has the color, it has the speed. It's perfect. And uh, I have really good friends that are very high up have said, "Yeah, it's real. You can't tell the difference." And so. Uh, the actual 9-11 was, uh, was planned by Israel in 1981. It was called Plan Yinon, uh, Y-I-N-O-N, after the guy that actually wrote it. And what they did was they were going to uh, <clears throat> pretend, or they were going to make the U.S. believe that, uh, <clears throat> that uh, Muslims we're going to crash into the World Trade Center, and on that basis, we would send our Air Force, Army, and, and Navy into the Middle East and uh, take down those those three or those six main uh, Muslim countries, which we did. Uh, we didn't actually take them down, but we spent a lot of time doing it. Now, the reason Israel, they didn't want to send their own soldiers. They'd rather uh, do uh, send, have the U.S. send themselves. And, in fact, uh, 
Israel control has controlled the United States since 1976 and is in t- con- complete control of the United States. Interesting. You know, too, there's been talk, and I've heard it from people that work for the government high up in different agencies. They said that, you know, that in the basements of the these 9-11 towers, that something strange was going on like the night before and actually a couple of nights before all this took place. And supposedly they found residue, you know, in the remains of what was the basement. Uh, do you think there was also explosives going off at the same time to detonate also after they, I they did their thing? I don't think it was going on then. I think the direct energy weapons, that was the first time we had used it at full power. And we had no idea uh, what, after it destroyed the buildings, uh, what it was going to do. And what happened is it did something to the soil uh, under, uh, in the exact uh, footprint of buildings one and two. Uh, it didn't cool down. It smelled awful. And they had to do something. So they built these uh, two uh, recirculating uh, pools and uh, each one is the exact size of the footprint of the building and it recirculates 238,000 gallons every 20 minutes and uh, it has to recirculate that much water in order to keep it cool and that's what happened when uh, uh, they used a direct energy weapon at full power. Now the only time they used it before that was at Oklahoma City in the uh, Mira building uh, that was taken out with uh, a half-power direct energy weapon. That's why uh, there was a few uh, explosives left after it burned. And uh, the the guy who was blamed on it had nothing to do with it. And I doubt if he's dead. I think they hit him away somewhere. That is very possible. Now, uh, we, we got just enough time to touch base. Uh, you wanted to mention about the Titanic. Oh, yeah. On the Titanic, I want to uh, uh, mention that <clears throat> we're told that uh, uh, <clears throat> Robert Ballard, the retired Navy officer who was chief oceanographer for the University of Rhode Island, discovered the Titanic. He did not discover it. He was in cahoots with the Navy, uh, and what they wanted him to do was take their uh, little uh, uh, submarine to take pictures of uh, the Thresher and the Scorpion uh, who were lost in the uh, <clears throat> in the 60s. And what they wanted to do was um, have him uh, actually operate this thing. I forget what they call that kind of stuff. It, it, says a, uh, it has a camera. And then they told him where the Titanic was because they had been uh, exploring it for three years prior to that that nobody knows about. And uh, so they said they would let him uh, claim to have found the Titanic uh, in repayment for uh, Terry taking these pictures of the Thresher and the Scorpion. Now, both those submarines, the the Navy has no explanation for how they were lost. They they say, well, it could have been nuclear. They're both nuclear. It could have been nuclear problem. The way they were really lost is... Under the seven western states of the United States, 
the Pacific Ocean lies under that. It doesn't stop at the coast. If the Pacific Ocean goes all the way under those uh, seven states, and the Navy has explored a lot of that area, and they have a lot of bases uh, in the Pacific under, uh, for instance, Hawthorne, Nevada, is a big Navy base on top. It just looks like <laughs> it just looks like a little uh, base there, but in one of the mountains to the northwest of uh, of uh, Hawthorne, they make all the high tech Navy um, uh, bombs and missiles. And uh, prior to finding out that they could uh, travel, uh, one of the entrances is from Monterey Bay. They travel in the Pacific Ocean under Nevada, under Hawthorne, and then they built a huge elevator uh, to go down the 3,400 feet to the Pacific Ocean. And there's a base down there. And uh, prior to that, uh, they had to send all these uh, missiles and and uh, and, uh, and bonds uh, north through Reno to Alameda or south through Las Vegas to San Diego uh, on the, on the by uh, by ground travel, and they didn't want to do that. And when they found out uh, how easy it was uh, to just dig a elevator, and all they do is just come from this mountain that's near Hawthorne and they go across the street, put it on the elevator, and send it down to the send it down 3,400 feet to the Pacific Ocean. Now, what happened was when they were exploring this underground sea, uh, they lost these two submarines, and they can't explain it, and they don't want to explain it, and they don't want anybody asking any questions. So what they were going to do is have Terry Ballard fake having uh, uh, taken pictures of the Scorpion uh, crashed in the Azores. And they got some pictures of some something, but it isn't a it isn't a uh, submarine. They got some pictures of some debris there, uh, and I don't know what it is, but it's certainly not the Scorpion. And the Thresher was supposedly lost in the Pacific, and uh, it too was lost in this uh, entrance. There's two entrances that I know of to the underground sea under these seven western states. One is at uh, Monterey Bay, and one is at Malibu. And there's some terrific pictures on the web. You can look under uh, Navy Base or Navy Entrance uh, to Pacific Ocean, and they've got some wonderful pictures uh, of, uh, of these openings that lead underground or actually undersea. Very interesting. John, our time is up. Is there anything you want to say to the listeners before I let you go? Uh, yes, I just want to say that you're here for one reason uh, on earth, and that's to live your life with integrity, without envy, without hate, without greed. And if you do that, boy, are you going to have a good time when you pass away. Well, John, I want to appreciate you coming back on. It was It's always you know, informative. I got to ask you a question. Do you ever have dreams at night of flying? No. You know, I retired 21 years ago, and I haven't even thought about it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, my friend. Well, thank you so much. You know, and I, I thank hope, you, Gary. I hope you you know start feeling better, my friend. Okay, great. You're a great interviewer because you don't interrupt. Ah, thank you, sir. You take care. Okay. Okay. Good night. Okay. Bye. Well, that was John Lear. Now, our next guest here after the break, we're going to be talking about why you should not eat meat. And that is going to be rather interesting. I hope everybody's having a good time. You can see a little difference here in the studio. And I, I got a little couple little things I got to adjust, like my lighting. I notice I got a shadow. And, you know, again, if you are new to the YouTube channel or you listen to it at a, a, a later date, make sure you hit that subscribe button that is really important and if you like the show hit the thumbs up we'll be back after the next break so stay tuned and we'll be right back did you know night dreams talk radio now has a great store and now's the time to get that night dreamer that cool night dreams tea or bigfoot mug Night Dream Store has lots of awesome items to pick from. All for the Night Dreamer. For details, check out our show's website at www.nightdreamstalkradio.com. He's one of paleontology's top fossil restorers. He's Joe Taylor, and his unique expertise has been used on many world-class fossils, including the world's largest molds of fossils still in the ground, such as the three complete mammoth skeletons at the Waco Sudden Death Mammoth Site in Waco, Texas. Forty years working in every area of fossils has opened the door to the strange mystery of giant men and the biblical Nephilim, which has opened the door to Bigfoot, UFOs, Mothman, and much more. Joe Taylor's book, Giants Against Evolution, chronicles all of these. You can order Joe's books at www.mtblanco.com or call 806-675-7777. That's 806-675-7777. Joe Taylor's incredible museum is currently adding new and amazing displays. Find out more at www.mtblanco.com. Manifesting, Using Thought Forms to Visualize Real Change is a new book by Von Brashler. Von has appeared on Night Dreams with Gary to discuss his book, Time Shifts. His new book, Manifesting, is a practical look at developing human consciousness with focused intent to accurately project thought power with impact. It's based on ancient wisdom tradition in Raja Yoga, with the magic of advanced consciousness yoga, with exercises extracted from ancient sutras. Like Time Shifts, Manifesting is now available in bookstores or online at Amazon or the Barnes & Noble website. A companion book to Manifesting is a February 2021 release titled Mysterious Messages from Beyond. It examines thought forms that we receive from unseen messengers, from ghosts to distant friends to spirit guides. Read Manifesting, Messages from Beyond, and Time Shifts by Von Breschler.
To my husband Gary Anderson on Night Dreams Talk Radio. Are you into the paranormal? Then you have found the right place. Night Dreams covers the topics you want to hear, and Gary always has a great guest to take you for a real ride in talk radio. So buckle up. And let's go for that ride with Gary. And we are ready to take you for a ride. Who's our next guest, James? Our next guest tonight is Dr. Karthik Shaker, and he is a trained scientist and engineer. He has a BS in biomedical engineering. Also, Dr. Shaker currently works in the data scientist uh, in the alternate food industry. Well, Doctor, welcome to the show. How are you doing this Monday night? I'm doing really well, Gary. Well, you know what? Why? I, 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 you got to be really flustered here. I like eating meat. And why should we not be eating meat? Yeah, so I think it's perfectly normal and legitimate to enjoy eating meat. And I think we'll actually be able to do better. So I argue that animals are actually one of our most inefficient technologies. And actually, in many ways, using animals holds us back from a world of food that's actually more nutritious, tastier, healthier, and cheaper than, than what we could do with an animal. And so I think uh, this framing hasn't really been explored enough. And so I wrote a book, After Meat, and I really do emphasize that we'll be able to do better in the long run with uh, plant-based and fermentation-based meat. Well, you know, I, I think about that movie, Soyant Green, you know, made years ago. But, I mean, you think down the future, you know, like, are we going to get away from eating meat? Because if you, if you yeah, read about what meat actually does in your digestive system, in your gut, I mean, it takes days if you eat a T-bone steak, for example, for it to, you know, do its thing. And you think about how much longer could we live if we did not even touch meat? Absolutely. There's so much research to show that, uh, yeah, switching to plant-based, you know, diet, you know, leads to increased longevity. You know, there's less inflammation. You know, I, I myself feel like I just have much more recovery ever since switching to a plant-based diet. I wonder if we weren't eating meat, people coming down with COVID, if they would recover a lot faster. I mean, again, I mean, I I have to say this. I, I like eating that big fat steak or that prime rib. But I, I can tell you, after I eat it, I'll be honest with you, I don't feel good the next day. I kind of feel lazy. I feel sluggish. And, you know, a lot of other things as is digesting. Where, you know, again, what's it going to take the people to get away from eating meat? What is it going to take for industry to start getting people convinced that we shouldn't be slaughtering all these chickens and cows? And I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I saw a documentary this past weekend. And I tell you, I had nightmares about it. What we put these animals through, torture, literally torture. Yep. 
Yes. Um, I think what it's going to take is it's really going to take technological innovation. And, you know, so the good news is in the long run, we actually won't be compromising. So I think now we feel like if we're switching to, you know, a plant-based diet, we're sacrificing something, right? We're sacrificing, you know, that really delectable steak. And I'm here to, you know, tell your audience that um, in the long run, we'll actually do... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Better. So we'll actually have, you know, something that satisfies in the same way as a steak, but we won't feel, you know, that lethargy the next day and, you know, we won't have that inflammation response that we get from uh, consuming meat currently. Well, you know, going back a few years ago, I, I sent my my one of my sons to the grocery store because my wife was still at work. And I said, hey, go buy these prepackaged hamburger patties. And he comes back and I didn't bother even, you know, read anything on the big package. So I, I put these on the barbecue and I, I cooked them. And actually, I had some neighbors over. You know, and I made these beautiful patties. I put them in a bun. You know, everybody was happy. They had their hamburgers. Two, they took their first bite. And everybody was like looking at me. I'll be honest with you, doctor. They were looking at me. So I figured, well, what could I have done wrong? It was nothing. It was prepackaged meat. I just barbecued it. Then I took a bite. And I'll be honest with you. It was absolutely disgusting. Didn't taste like beef at all. Didn't resemble beef. It, It was slimy. But here back a few months ago, my son, other son came back with some of these, you know, meat patties that were no meat in them mm-hmm. and, and they actually tasted good. So they've come a long ways technology on, on this processing this stuff. Absolutely. I'm I'm absolutely stunned. You know, for example, with the Impossible Burger, the Beyond Burger, they are amazing. And, you know, for someone who hasn't actually had meat in, you know, you know, I guess uh, 14 years now, you know, I if you if you told me a Beyond Burger was actually how meat tasted, I, I you know, I couldn't uh, argue with you. And we're starting to see, you know, other, you know, other food products, you know, come a long way. I think the milks are, you know, pretty close. You know, if I go to my local Starbucks, I can get three different types of uh, plant based milk. And uh, recently, I've noticed a really big improvement in chicken nuggets. So I got, um, you know, the Impossible Foods version of the chicken nuggets, and they just they just absolutely blow me away. And, um, you know, you, your audience might be familiar with the recent news that KFC rolled out a, a plant-based uh, a plant-based nugget. Yeah, they the taste UK. real. Yeah, yeah, they're they're drawing rave reviews. I've yet to try them myself. Uh, I got to find a KFC. But I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I can honestly tell you, they taste like the real thing. And that's what is interesting. Now, you mentioned milk. I read an article here just recently, you know, when I found out you were going to come on before, but something happened and we couldn't bring you on. You know, milk is actually not good for for us. I mean, when you become adult, drinking milk is actually bad for you. Absolutely. We were We were never meant to drink milk past infancy. So we lose uh, the ability, especially to metabolize lactose. 
and, you know, just creates all sorts of issues. Well, what got you into, you know, from eating that thick T-bone to eating plant-based stuff, you know, years ago, what made you make that change and why did you make that change? Yeah, so I started 15 years ago with the transition into vegetarianism, and that was motivated purely by environmental reasoning. So I, I, I just sort of had this inkling that eating meat was adverse for the environment. And uh, about four years ago, one person pointed out that in order to make milk or make dairy, you know, cows have to continuously be pregnant. So there has to be a heifer, you know, who's impregnated and um, lactating. And it just it just sort of dawned on me that, um, you know, things like veal steak, you know, are really a waste product of the dairy industry. And so by just, you know, remaining even just vegetarian and consuming dairy, I basically was perpetuating, you know, this this really heinous industry. And, you know, once once that, you know, became, you know, reified to me, I, I, I decided to, to to give up dairy as well as eggs. Interesting. You know, a little quick story. One of my sons, we had eight children. One of my sons, when he was probably even up to about 12 years old, every time we would have hamburgers or we'd have steak and stuff, he was the uh, assumption that it wasn't what it was. He thought it was a man-made product. And then one day I explained to him, I said, wait a minute, that hamburger you ate, that steak you ate, that roast you ate, that chicken you ate, a life had to be sacrificed for you to eat it. It's not a man-made product. And yeah, I, yeah, and, and and absolutely. And we're so you know separated from how our food is actually made, and you know we don't realize that you know ninety-nine percent of animals that go into animal agriculture are factory farmed, right? This is, you know, so for, for most of our food, we, we are completely divorced from the reality of, of um, you know, how they're created. Well, can you imagine a pig with his legs, you know, basically removed in a cage its whole life to its in slaughter? Uh, chickens in, in, it's just horrible what goes through these, these, you know, what, and, and how they, well, terminate the life of your steak, for example. If people saw what was being done in a slaughterhouse or these mass uh, facilities that raise millions of chickens, they wouldn't want to eat it. I think they would probably want to switch over to something else. I think so, too. And again, have you done any research by not eating meat how much more healthier is a human body? Yeah, so I will be honest, I am not fully up to date with the health research. But as I understand it, you know, people on, you know, mostly plant-based diets, you know, tend to live longer, tend to, tend to age slower. I can tell you just, you know, anecdotally, like I've noticed a huge benefit in, you know, just just my um my overall well-being. You know, so for example, when I was in my 20s in college, you know, I would try to exercise, you know, at least, uh, you know, four times a week. 
And I would always need some sort of recovery day in between, uh, in between the days where I would exercise. And, you know, fast forward to now when I'm, you know, in my mid thirties, I, um, I can actually exercise every single day. So, so my recovery time is, is basically, you know, it, it has, has basically, has basically halved. And, um, you know, I can, I can go for a long run one day and then I can go weightlifting the next day and I can continue that same, you know, pattern seemingly indefinitely. So you don't have that acid building up in your joints? You know, it's, yeah, I, I wake up and I feel great. I, you know, I feel like I can, I can, you know, exercise pretty intensely. Interesting. Again, you know, if you ate a big meal, you ate a, you know, a prime rib, for example, for dinner. I mean, think about it, people. How do you feel the next day after you ate it? Some people are going to come back. I felt fantastic. But <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest with you. I feel nauseous after I eat it. And it's not because I know where it came from. It's just that the body's trying to process it. You know, when John Wayne died and they did the autopsy on him. Yeah. I mean, people were shocked when they said, because he was a meat eater like you wouldn't believe. And there was massive pounds of, you know, undigested meat in his gut. And, yes. And, and, you know, and again, if you eat a plant-based burger, for example, or you eat, you know, stuff like other type of stuff, that, that I, I'm sure it goes through your system really fast. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really the fiber. So the fiber, I think, is, is really the big difference between, you know, the plant-based diet and, and you know, uh, a meat-heavy one. So with a plant-based diet, you know, that fiber helps us really clear our digestive tracts. It's, it's almost like, um, you know, like paving a, paving a path forward. And so just, you know, really, really keeping ourselves regular. And yeah, your, your tidbit about uh, John Wayne is really striking. I just learned about, yeah, how, you know, they basically found, found pounds of, um, you know, material in his stomach. And it's just, it's just you know, you know, sh- you know makes me shudder. No, it does. And I mean, again, and you know, you take Japan. There's been a lot of research for the years that Japan, the Japanese. Now, I'm sure that's been changed. Now, you know, when I was talking about the research that was done, it was like 10, 20 years ago. But, you know, the life expectancy, at least at one time for Japanese, was like close to 90 to 100 and some years old. And again, you think what they ate, they ate a lot of plant base in their their system and they ate fish and they weren't eating you know this other garbage that we eat and there there's proof why and why they were living so long and the difference is they didn't have arthritis they didn't have all these other element uh you know uh problems we get when we get older and they're still functioning and that's the same within china and and some of these other uh countries where they don't or didn't at one time eat a lot of meat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The, these Asian countries tend to not eat as much, uh, especially red meat, as as we do in the West. And yeah, uh, you know, your point about Japan. Uh, I think I was reading recently that um, the number of centurions that Japan has had, you know, has has basically multiplied by you know, a hundred to a thousand, I believe, if I remember the figures correctly over the course of, of the last um, 50 years or so. Interesting. Now, what, doctor, what got you to, you know, sit down and write this book? 
Yeah. So Gary, I, you know, I knew that the world uh, was at least familiar with the environmental and the ethical reasons for, you know, shifting away from animal products. But I didn't think enough people appreciated this technological reason. So that, you know, first, just using animals to produce a large amount of goods is 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 a totally dumb process and, and dumb in the sense that it's really inefficient, it's resources intensive. You know, we make stuff that we don't even really know what's in it. You know, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, I think the pink slime uh, hamburgers. And, um, and I want people to see that, you know, in the long run, you know, we're going to actually do better by switching away. So we're actually, so the, so the compromising will actually flip and we'll actually be compromising by staying with, uh, with animal-based uh, production of, uh, of meat and goods. And uh, so I, 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 I had sort of this intuition just from my own research and, you know, my own education. But of course, uh, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm an expert in a, in, a, in a fairly narrow field. And so I wanted to share, you know, this uh, intuition and really inculcate it to a broader audience. And so that's why I felt compelled to write uh, After Meat. How long did it take you, doctor, to write this book? It took... Three to four years, and yes, I was you know mo- mostly working full time, so you know something I had to work on you know during the weekends or you know during the holidays. So you know if uh, <laughs> if, if I wasn't working, probably could have gotten out sooner. But um, you know here we are. Interesting. How can they find your book, sir? Yes, uh, my website is aftermeatbook.com. And the book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, most online retailers. Furthermore, the digital versions of the book are actually pay what you want, including nothing. So I don't want money to be a reason that someone can't access the book. You know, I'm really in, more interested by engagement with the ideas. And so if you go to my website, aftermeetbook.com, you'll see links to both uh, EPUB, Kindle, as well as audiobook versions for even uh for even nothing great and is there anything you want to say here before i let you go to the listeners yes uh the last thing is that um 100 of the proceeds are also being donated to charity and then all and then finally i can't emphasize enough that you know the future of food the future without animal products is is going to be better in every single way and i hope your audience gets excited as much as i am now, do you have a website or anything you can share or anything or, or a way people can get a hold of you if they want to? Sure. Uh, so there's a way to contact me on my website, aftermeatbook.com. Uh, there's also links to my Twitter and, and so forth. So, yeah, please, please reach out. Well, doctor, I want to thank you so much for coming on. And again, I'm going to tell you what, I, I think I'm going to look at other things and, and try to wing off meat because, like I said, every time I eat meat, the next day, I, you know, I feel sluggish, I feel lazy, and I just really feel that our bodies are not meant to digest it. It's as simple as that. We don't have the teeth, and I just don't think we are. Well, doctor, again, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Gary, for having me. Okay, you take care, my friend. Take care. Bye. We'll, we'll be right back with uh, Thomas to do a recap of, well, what John Lear had to say here. So stay tuned. You're listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio. Are you searching for deeper answers when it comes to experiences with the Sasquatch and other cryptids? 
One man who seems to be taking that deeper dive is Ron Moorhead. His incredibly clear, scientifically vetted Bigfoot Sierra sounds will send shivers. In addition to these recordings, he's written two books, Voices in the Wilderness, which is the chronicle of interactions that went on for years up in the Sierra Nevada mountains, and then his latest, The Quantum Bigfoot, where he bravely goes where others fear and takes it head on, again, backed by science. The disappearing tracks, the pixelated images, and the screams in the dark. All of this and more can be found at ronmoorhead.com. That's www.ronmoorehead.com. Did you know Night Dreams Talk Radio now has a great store? And now's the time to get that Night Dreamer, that cool Night Dreams tea, or Bigfoot mug. Night Dream Store has lots of awesome items to pick from. All for the Night Dreamer. For details, check out our show's website at www.nightdreamstalkradio.com. Hi, this is Val Von Torn of Metatron Power and Light. You're listening to Gary Anderson and Night Dreams Talk Radio. And you are. Well, here it is, the 11th of January. Time is going by fast. Thomas, are you there? I'm here. Can How you are you well? doing? I hear you fine. How are you doing tonight? I'm hanging in there. Uh, it's a little cold where I'm at right now. You can laugh if you want because of the visual I'm going to create, but I've got my bullwinkle slippers on right now to keep my feet warm. Well, do you have your, I'm not going to say it. Do you have a cap on trying to keep your head warm? Uh, I did earlier, to be honest with you. Okay. What is your temperature there in Ohio? Uh, I didn't even look. I can just tell you right now, it's, it's cold. Well, uh, if you just, like 20 something earlier. If you decided to do something. Well, obscene, and go off your back porch and pee. Would it freeze before it hit the ground? Um, I'm not going to take a chance, put it that way. Yeah, that I'm, could be kind of I'm embarrassing walking back with a icicle, huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to test out the, the concept, put it that way. Well, John Lear tonight said he believes that there is life on the moon. I heard that. I was listening to the show earlier. And, you know, there's still a lot we don't know about the moon. Uh, I mean, you've got a whole unexplained territory up there that, that there could potentially be something up there. It could be something lurking that we just don't know about. But you would think that with all the, the, the satellite information we're getting back, not just the United States, but China and other countries, that, that something would have been seen. But, you know, here's the thing about that, Gary. One uh, several years back, there was a case that came in through MUFON uh, out of Canada, where the guy had all these pictures, images, like uh, came out from the China rover not long ago. These were taken by satellites of the moon, and he says, you know, that I can I can tell you that there's a lot of things up there on the surface of the moon that's really going on. Well, nobody called him up and talked to him about it. I got assigned a case to an international group. So I called the individual up. And when he started describing the pictures, I'm like, this guy has got a great interpretation of 3D imaging. 
he's telling me all the different patterns on the moon, how these patterns were created that wasn't necessarily coming from like um, meteorite, meteorite impacts. There are other things that he said were actually three-dimensional objects on the surface. I'm like, I don't know who this guy is, but he has got one heck of a knowledge of photographic analysis. Come to find out, Gary. He worked for the Canadian Defense Department doing bomb strike analysis for the military. Uh-huh. Well, what, he's an expert. You got that right. And that's why he knew so much about the imagery. And, and the more I sat back and looked at it, I'm like, you know, maybe there's something of what he's saying. And he was one that we had these conversations going back and forth with over like a period of a couple of years where he sent me all these photographs, the analysis. We had communications going back and forth. And one thing I wouldn't recommend, that way, by the way, Gary, is using your government email address to do it with. No, you, you don't because, I mean, it's going to be, you know what, red. He did. Yeah. Well, hey, and, uh, I, I, our time is up. I mean, can you tell the listeners about your show real quick? You got like two minutes to tell them about your show. Saturday night is going to be the first show to 15th at 9 o'clock Eastern time. It'll be 6 o'clock your time, right, Gary? Yeah, Pacific time, yes. Yeah, Pacific time. And I'm going to have Bob Spearing on as my guest on the first night. And he's with MUFON International. Uh, he handles the international cases. But like a lot of us, he wears many hats. So he's going to be coming on talking about patterns on Saturday night. Patterns within UFO sightings, within UFO reports, that maybe there's a correlation between this information that's coming in. He also likes to look at the unusual stuff. So we're going to be discussing that on Saturday night. Well, it sounds like people need to tune in and they can find us. Well, everything. We will be broadcasting also on YouTube without video. So you will be able to listen to us, at least on YouTube, and then on all the apps like normal, you'll hear us. And then within all the next couple of weeks, we're going to work on getting his video on YouTube on Saturday evenings also. So that's in the works, too. I, I, again, Thomas, I want to thank you for coming on for that little thing. And, you know, it was an interesting show with John Lear. That's all I can say. It definitely was. That's for sure. Okay, my friend, you have a great evening and don't get too cold. I'm going to try not to. You too. Okay. You take care. Well, we'll be back tomorrow with another great show. So make sure you hit that subscribe, like, and thumbs up on YouTube. If you're listening to us on Apple, TuneIn, iHeart. Again, you know, give us a review and and tell the people what you think of the show. If you listen to us on Spreaker and all these other apps, again, you know, give a review of the show. Well, till tomorrow, everybody, you have a good one. We will catch you on the other side of the campground tomorrow. Take care.